the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. We are brought to you by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, June 13th, 2022. Rapids 2 have become hashtag player veterans. The Stanley Cup Finals is a battle of Mother Nature with the Colorado Rapids playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Mark Anthony Kay, alongside many of his fellow players, have once again stood up for what they believe in. I am joined now by a man who once ate five pounds of kishka at Katz's Deli in New York, all in one sitting, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I don't understand the reference, uh, but it's not true. Um, But I have been to Second Ave Deli, which is the actual kosher deli in New York City. And let me tell you, you have not lived until you've had a hot pastrami with spicy mustard or my personal favorite the combo chopped liver uh pastrami uh at their place or at uh pico kosher deli in los angeles that's really the way to go um i personally don't really like kishka i think it's kind of wasted calories matt what are you referring to what am i referring to well katz's delis i'm I'm making a play on new york because we're here to preview the game against New York City FC. So, I mean, oh! I could have said, forget about it. I don't even know if that's a proper New York accent. I'm walking here. One of those. I get it. It took me a minute. By, my my kid was in New York with my wife like two weeks ago. Um, they take like a, a, a regular trip, although during the pandemic it was on hold. But they go to a Broadway show. Um, they, they, they did go to Gus's, actually Gus's Pickles is closed, but there's a place just like Gus's Pickles on the Lower East Side. They went to the Tenement Museum and did a tour. Um, they live it up the proper New York Jewish way. I mean, we, we really appreciate it. Um, that being said, NYCFC is in the Bronx and, uh, is, has, and I, I think they've moved on from this, so I'm not giving them a hard time, but they did have a brief, uh, problem a few years ago with a supporters group that was, uh, proud boy, white supremacist affiliated. So um, between the two New York clubs, the red and the blue, I think you're better off as a as a Hebrew, as a member of the tribe, taking the path train in New Jersey and 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 throwing in with uh, the Metro Stars. But uh, I think things have cleared up in in New York, and and you know a nice Jewish boy can root for NYCFC, um, but not this nice Jewish boy because I'm pulling for the Rapids. All right, uh, so Mark. It- I think this is the first time we've talked about Kishka. You're not much of a Kishka fan. We have discussed and you have witnessed my first experience with gefilte, gefilte. fish. Uh, I think I think I remember you liking Kugel, but not your favorite. What's the go-to? You walk into a Jewish deli anywhere in America. Um, I don't know. Let's say plop down in. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's, let's say you're taking this inevitable road trip that you keep talking about of going to Columbus to see the Rapids take on the crew at the new Lower.com field. You find the one Jewish deli in Columbus, Ohio. W- what's the go-to order? What's the you know it's going to be good? Like I said, a pastrami sandwich is, is really the best way to go. And, and I, I think, you know, for, for, but for most of our fans, they, they probably don't even fans. Most of our listeners are highlighters. They do not necessarily affiliate, associate pastrami sandwiches with Jewishness. I mean, because it's such a classic American food at this point, it's just food. Um, if you want a Jewy food that uh, is a niche, that like it's really, it's a lot like gefilte in terms of like, like it or hate it. Um, it's also for those of our Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian, Eastern European friends, they'll also identify with this. Um, another very Jewy food that I grew up on a little bit with my grandmother was borscht. And borscht is um, cold beet soup. And if it's done right with a slice of potato, a little bit of sour cream, and the beet juice, it, the, the beet soup is uh, is fresh, 
you just got the right amount of um, of sautéed onion in there. Um, it's very good. Uh, but that being said, a lot of other people will drink beet soup and be like, this is ridiculous. Why would anyone drink beet juice and call it food? So that's another kind of niche food. Um, I think that the half sour pickle is also a, a winner. Um, personally, I think the big fight, and this is really a Seinfeld throwback because we're into desserts now, and then I'll move on because we're just talking about food and now I'm getting hungry, is um, the great debate over chocolate babka versus cinnamon babka. Um, there's an, a fantastic Seinfeld episode. Just Google cinnamon babka and you'll find it. Now, I like a chocolate babka, and we've even made babka in our house, and it's pretty good. Um, but my son holds my cinnamon babka, which feels a little bit nouveau and like avant-garde, you know, like he's hot couture babka and we're old school babka. But, you know, I mean, it's it's just like grub. I mean, it's just get down with it. Now, when I think the last thing I'll say is this, like I think some of our listeners don't know what kishka is. Old school proper kishka is basically like um, stuffed intestine, uh, but in in the in the so it's a it's a meat it's a ground meat dish. Not All unlike, beef, to be clear, right? Not unlike haggis, kind of. Okay, like, except it's but because um, you use like a uh, like a proper like intestinal lining as the casing. Um, but the vast majority of Jews I know have never had that, and neither have I. Most kishka today is a vegetable kishka. It's like a ground up sweet potato and grain kind of thing. Um, and it's a good filler if you're going to have a meat dish. So eh, anyways, I, I I feel like it's neither here nor there. It's wasted calories for me. It, it takes away from the pastrami eating. Listeners, last week and even maybe into this week, uh, the Canadians men's national team um, sat out, boycotted is the term I'm finding here at uh, btsvancity.com. Uh, they did not participate in three training sessions. There was a friendly that was originally scheduled, uh, supposed to take place against Iran. There's a related but separate controversy that ultimately led that friendly to be canceled. Go ahead and Google it. We don't have time to get into Canadian geopolitics on that. And then they ultimately had a separate friendly scheduled against Panama. That game got canceled due to protests. Uh, basically, the Canadian men's national team wanting some clarity about transparency involving the finances of the Canadian of Canada soccer, and then also what that meant in terms of pay compensation this coming in the aftermath of Canada obviously getting to their first World Cup in a generation, doing so by finishing top of the group in the hexagonal, in the octagonal, and then finally, you know, bringing together greater prominence in a, in a national team that represents Canada in so many ways on and off the field, and there's basically uncertainty about what the finances are behind that. Canada, uh, through the Canadian Premier League in Canada, Canada Soccer, the Federation, has a very similar setup to what some was previously in MLS called Canadian Soccer Business. I have not seen that, Mark, abbreviated as CSP. But in any case, questions about that money and how much of it is going to middlemen, how much of that is going back to the Federation, how much of that is going to ownership groups in the Canadian Premier League and everything. Uh, discussions are ongoing. The players have obviously made their qualms very, very clear, but there got to it got to the point where there are going to be complications, and Concacaf and FIFA were going to get involved if this would have continued into the Concacaf Nations League. Canada played Curacao last week in Nations League, and they won that game convincingly. And they're currently in the first half right now, scoreless against Honduras in Nations League. Now, had they not played that game, there would have been questions of forfeiting. CONCACAF could have come in. FIFA could have come in. I don't know that this would have constituted a situation where Canada would have been banned or removed from the World Cup. But, Mark, this is in the aftermath of what U.S. soccer was just recently able to achieve with the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team with equal pay. And uh, an increasing discussion we're having about the sporting governmental bodies and then the players and how much compensation there is there and players using the leverage of the moment, the fans being on their side and really playing well and deserving a pay raise on this. Um, and I fully think that Mark Anthony Kay and his Canadian national team teammates are within their right to have this conversation with Canada Soccer. And if the Federation wasn't going to come into this with good faith and getting their attention by having a friendly canceled and boycotting multiple games of training is one way to start that conversation in the right way for me. 
no arguments. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta do what you need to do as an employee to get paid in whatever labor you work in. Uh, it is a bummer that it came to that because it, it would be much better if those things got resolved before you got all the way to 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 uh, to match day. I have some late breaking news, Matt, that I just wanted to add to the mix since I don't have grand feelings about the the Canadian team. This is also national team news, but on the women's side, um, I don't know if you folks have seen it, but Kristen Press has torn her ACL and will be out for probably the next 8 to 12 months. So that is a heartbreaker. Also, if you are uh, a big fan of the Twitters, um, I recommend going to her tweet on the topic because basically everyone in USWNT Twitter, um, she asked uh, folks to send love, prayers, virtual hugs, and dog pics. So if you have always wanted to know what Abby Wambach and Meg Linehan and um, uh, Heather O'Reilly and Christine Cupo and um, uh, who else? All the other people on USWNT Twitter's dogs look like. Um, that's a place to go. Although, of course, um, I think Heather O'Reilly included her baby, not her dog. So anyways, um, get well soon, Kristen Press. Uh, we need you. You're one of our favorite uh, USWNT stars. Uh, Mark, any question that the Canadian and the national team players deserve proper compensation given what they've achieved in the position they're in to elevate the federation and the sport in the country and then continentally? Not a question at all. You know, go get paid, get, go get what you deserve. And just, you know, I mean, I think one of the other uh, challenges when, when it comes to national teams, um, and I don't know how you figure this out as a player, uh, but um, it's important to kind of bring up in the broader scheme of things, but like, Players, staff, and leadership need to figure out who's funding who, um, whether the national team draws income and then that trickles down to the youth level and to the kind of grassroots, or whether um, you use kind of coaching fees, license fees, and um, you know uh, national soccer fees to trickle up to the national team. Um, ideally it works the first way. That's how it works mostly in Europe, but the U S uh, structure is the other way around. Um, in fact, the, the, the U S men's national team makes less money than, um, the, than is brought in and coaching fees or some of, some of the money that they are paid comes from coaching fees, training fees and affiliation fees. Um, so that's a really big question for me with all national teams, but particularly with the Canadian national teams, like, how are those salaries being paid? Because if they're being paid on the backs of youth coaches, then that's less good, you know. So it's really up to these federations to figure out how to get it right. Um, and also, as we've learned with the U.S. men's and U.S. women's national teams, to for the federations to make sure that the pay structure is equitable across the the genders. Absolutely there. Mark, uh, last thing that I will say on this, well, two last things. Uh, I've got a quote from Atiba Hutchinson that he told Between the Sticks. Quote, we know things are not done, things are not settled, but we we but we thought of the big picture. We feel like things will get taken care of and we can get back onto the pitch and do what we have to do. And quote, Mark, I have to imagine the Federation does not want the PR nightmare of having a labor dispute going into a World Cup camp. I imagine this will get settled much in advance of uh, Canada kicking off in Qatar. Mark, let's get to the Rapids news of the week since last week podcast and had our big Rapids 2 deep dive. Uh, uh, the Rapidos have had multiple games now that they've played, and interestingly, markets look closer to a first-team lineup than a second-team lineup. Uh, they got a draw and then lost in penalties to St. Louis City, and then I was at the University of Denver Soccer Stadium last night for their 3-1 victory over Real Monarchs, a pseudo Rocky Mountain Cup game possibly there, Mark. Uh, starting 11 of Clint Irwin and then back three, uh, Gus Fiasia, Danny Wilson, Lalas Abubakar, Stephen Betasher, Brian Acosta, Jack Price, Keegan Rosenberry, and then up front, Nicholas Mosquito, Michael Barrios, and Giassi Zardes. And then if I look down the bench as well, Mark, I'm seeing maybe Darren Yappi, who did not sub in. I guess we can call Sebastian Anderson and Anthony Markanich tweeners, and then uh, Malone as well, a defender for Rapids 2. So you could count it three at the most, maybe four Rapids 2 players on this one. But Mark, effectively, the, the Rapids of last week have chosen to use games in MLS Next Pro as basically an opportunity to build fitness and prevent rust buildup during the international window with a modicum 
of success. You know, obviously nice to get the victory over technically a team within the Real Salt Lake umbrella, but, you know, doing so in a way, as I lamented with Joseph Samuelson at halftime yesterday, is it felt like a typical Rapids game. And yeah, lots of the ball, some decent pants, passing, getting into good areas, and then not a whole lot of finishing. And I should point out Mark Jossie's artist, even though he scored on a penalty that he did not draw, you know, continues to figure out how to play well from the run of play in the attack. Jonathan Lewis and uh, Diego Rubio come on in the second half. Barrios gets two assists, setting up Rubio and Lewis for some tap-ins. So we got to see some good stuff there. Uh, Mark, hopefully that's a sign that Michael Barrios is on his way up, given what we saw in the second half of the game against Nashville. Feels like a million years ago now. And then obviously what he did with the two assists on the other day. Mark, how do let's let's start big picture. How do we feel in general about denying young players games for the purpose of the first team are there moments where this is advantageous and this is the net positive overall for the clubs is this detracting from hashtag player kits i don't love it i don't i mean i i don't think that the kids missing one game is that big a deal i actually am more concerned about um there was a factor that i don't see anybody having mentioned online um in the discussions about whether this is the right move for the rapids which is it could be counterproductive. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's nice to get a workout, but like the first team and the second team playing against each other in a scrimmage, I think is probably far more valuable than the Rapids first team taking on an academy team that isn't very good. Like, yeah, we thumped them three to one, but um, is that going to bring up kind of like a false sense of quality? Like the Rapids are going to be like, oh yeah, we should do that again next week. And we'll totally beat NYCFC with their unbelievably ridiculous top-notch roster. Like, I don't see this as something that's ultimately going to be of benefit to the team any more so than had they just had a regular practice. So, I don't know. I didn't. I don't really understand it. I, I, I have to say, it's the first time this year, other than some of the tactical decisions and maybe a few of the lineups that uh, we've broken out where I, I think I really disagreed with the coaching staff in making this decision. Matt, do you agree with me or disagree with me? Um, I guess I'd, I'd kind of disagree in that. I see where it makes sense given you had so many weeks off without proper competitive games for the first team. And I think it's I think there's a little bit of a different environment when it's another team where there's not the same familiarity. You know, how many times have, you know, Holt or, you know, Axel Kai, the 14-year-old uh, homegrown striker for Real Monarchs, how many times have they played against them? You know, even if it was, if we're assigning Sebastian Anderson and Anthony Markanich to Rapids 2 and a Rapids 1 versus Rapids 2 game, like, they played in training against Keegan Rosenberry and Steven Badisher. I think it's a different animal when you're seeing somebody who you have a little lack of familiarity with and then also playing an opponent who's there to actually get a result in a competitive, you are my enemy, not you're my enemy for right now in training in that moment, but then I don't actually want to kill you. You know, Jack Price can be a very physical player. I don't know if he's going studs up on Michael Barrios in the same way that he would against an actual RSL player in a Rocky Mountain Cup game, for example. I do think there's value given... Nanny Wilson and Jack Price and Jossie's artists were coming off of recent injuries and they're trying to build fitness back up again. I think it's valuable to get competitive minutes for Clint Irwin, who otherwise would have just been getting minutes in training. I think that's a little bit different, but you know, I think it's valuable getting Danny Wilson almost 90 minutes, Jack Price playing 45 minutes of actual competitive soccer, getting Jossie's artists 45 minutes of actual competitive soccer so that they can be close to, you know, all of those players could easily give you 75, probably comfortably, potentially give you 90 minutes on Sunday against New York City FC. So I see where it's valuable in terms of this is a moment to take advantage for the first team. But Mark, if I'm, if I'm, what's the Rochester Rhinos nickname now? Because they're not the Rhinos anymore in MLS Next Pro. I think they're just Rochester FC. Rochester FC, you know, but like if you're one of these, if you're the one independent team in MLS Next Pro, like this is the same gripe mark you and I as USL guys have had about the MLS 2 teams in the past where to us- there are some games where they're basically playing academy kids and they care more about getting certain players minutes in a certain system rather than actually trying to be competitive in the league. But then randomly they'll have a bye week and or, you know, somebody needs minutes or something. And then, you know, Robbie Keane coming off an injury is getting 60 minutes 
minutes for Los Dos and is just dunking on, you know, some defender for Sacramento Republic who just was not ready for, you know, a guy who's a starter for his national team uh, back in Ireland. And so I think there's I think there's a valid question of, you know, is this not on some level to the extent that MLS Next Pro cares about its competitive integrity to the extent that the non MLS teams that don't have the finances and the infrastructure and the build out of a full, you know, MLS club? Is this not making a mockery of the one competition that you've chose to sign on to when Jamie Vardy and Rochester could have easily chosen to go to one of the USL tiers as well is kind of the bigger question that I have. Now, if they were to define this or set a limit at in terms of the number of players you can loan down or the number of games where you could do this or define it pretty clearly and then also make that transparent. And then make it public and everything, but I have less issue with it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if, you know, to the extent that those Real Monarch players, you know, they basically just got bulldozed over by first team players because there wasn't anything in the MLS Next Pro rulebook that told the Rapids that they couldn't do this. And they took advantage of it because it was more important for the first team than it was for the second team to potentially lose, you know, the second tier uh, Rocky Mountain Cup game. So I am in favor of the Rapids taking advantage of this opportunity. You know, what's the old the the old cliche, Mark? You know, if you're not trying to break the rules or find out what cheating is, then you're not then then you're not actually trying. They're doing it for the good of the first team that I think could help them get a result on Sunday. I like that, but but I hear you in the sense that on some level this is probably not a this is not a good precedent to set. This is not something that's good for the integrity of MLS Next Pro. And somewhere down the line, maybe this was minutes lo- minutes lost for, uh, you know, a Darren Yappi who could have progressed himself as well. But you know, I think if this leads to a Rapids win for their first road win of the season at New York City FC, who are a top team in Major League Soccer, then we'll say well done. You know, Robin Frazier, absolutely brilliant thinking in terms of manipulating this rule. Good job to Eric. Uh, Boucher, who helps prepare the players as a pseudo first team head coach for the last two games. And if they end up losing, then, you know, this will just be, uh, you know, fans will complain and this will be a footnote in our season review at the end of the year. Uh, Mark, anything else we want to say about this game other than me making a joke about the fact that Axel Kai, who unfortunately prevented Clint Irwin from getting a clean sheet on Sunday, but uh, Mark, I, I I want to make this joke now. Axel Kai, now that he's unofficially played in a Rocky Mountain Cup game, he is neither the best Axel nor the best Kai in the history of the Rocky Mountain Cup, despite him getting his first professional goal at just the age of 14. Nice. Well said, Matt. Um, while we're doing interludes that have nothing to do with the last thing that we've said, um, another piece of breaking news in uh, Major League Soccer that I'm sure you did catch, but I didn't say we should talk about it in the rundown. But I'm going to ask you about it anyways. George Chiellini joining LAFC. Uh, big, big move on a TAM contract. Matt, what do you think about the Italian um, national team backline stud joining LAFC at the age of the tender age of 37. Um, is this going to move the needle? Is this, is he washed? Is this going to be anything other than just a great opportunity to sell jerseys for another year or two, or an opportunity for him to star in a reboot of Beverly Hills, 90210? Like um, what do you make of this move? It's a good opportunity to sell jerseys. I think it fits in with what LAFC's done in terms of some of their targeted international signings in a way that, helps them on the field, but also helps them off the field. I think there's a, Mark, you might remember this better. Isn't there a Korean player? They signed and did a whole thing about that, both with the Korean uh, American community in Los Angeles and also with that as well. Like there's going to be jerseys sold this week or after he makes his debut from the MLS store online that are shipped to the nation of Italy that are shipped to, uh, that are shipped to uh, Taurine as well. So I think that's good from a business standpoint. He's 37 years old. He didn't look great at the end of this year. It was a league season that was coming off of what he obviously did in Europa League or in, excuse me, in the UEFA Euros, which was fantastic being a champion and everything in that. We've seen players come in and off of their European season come into the second half of MLS, and whether it's the heat, the travel, the various other things struggle, particularly older players as well. I could understand making that movie if you're thinking, okay, this is a guy who's going to help us but not be a key piece in terms of our stretch run, and this is a guy we're having for 
the long term as well, but he's 37 years old. By the time he gets used to MLS, is he going to have anything left in the tank? Is he washed? No. Will he have moments where he absolutely bosses it just like he has from the Italian national team, just like he has for Juve? Absolutely, but I, I think it's a waste of money when you think about what uh, Mbake Fall has been this season, what I think Segura can be once he's back from his injury last season. Um, I, I don't think that it's a good you allocation of funds even by a team that has been historically splashing the cash in major league soccer unless you think you're going to make that up just on you know jersey sales to italy all right i i think he's probably still a useful cog um how helpful i don't know but i think he's really fun and really talented i think he will be more value than just jersey sales but you know i'm always an optimistic uh, i'm always optimistic with players that i formerly uh used to have in my um foot uh lineup in fifa so and he was a he was a player that i that i really liked having um was always on my back line when i played it in ultimate team Listeners, uh, we're currently 1434 through the Colorado Rapids 2022 season. That reduces down to 717th. The Rapids find themselves ninth in the Western Conference. They have 18 points off of 14 games played, a record of 5, 6, and 3, and a goal difference of negative 1 away from DSG this season. They are 0-5-1, still looking for that first road victory of the year. Uh, this coming Sunday uh, afternoon, 3 p.m. Mountain Time uh, in the Bronx, New York, at Yankee Stadium. The Rapids will be play, taking on MLS Cup defending champion New York City FC. They are first in the Eastern Conference, 26 points off of 13 games played, 2.0 points per game. Folks, is on track to compete for, if not win, the Supporter Shield, just in case you were wondering. They have a record of 8-3-2. and two. They have a goal difference of plus 15 and... I'll say at home this season, because Rabbi, sometimes it's been City Field, sometimes it's been Yankee Stadium. Uh, they've played in Connecticut. They technically played a, a home game in Southern California, albeit in CCL. In any case, in home MLS games, regardless of where those are taking place geographically, uh, the Pigeons are 6-1-1. One, and one. Rabbi, we will throw it now to my Know Thy Enemy segment with Riley Frayne, the New York City FC beat reporter for Last Word on Soccer. We'll get that now. Welcome back, listeners, to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red for a very special Know Thy Enemy segment previewing this Sunday's game in the Bronx against New York City FC. We have last word on soccer, NYCFC reporter Riley Frayne. Riley, how are you? I'm great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on, man. No, yeah, thank you. Um, obviously, you, um, spoiler alert, folks, Riley and I work together. I'm kind of his boss, but uh, so uh, obviously, been fantastic to have you on the website and fantastic to have you here on the podcast to preview the Rapids next game. So, Riley, let's start with the news of the day. Really, Ronnie Dyla is departing NYCFC for Standard Liège in Belgium, and Nick Cushing will be stepping in as interim head coach. Unless something drastically changes, I assume it'll be Cushing in the technical area on Sunday, what was your reaction to this news? What does this mean for NYCFC immediately? Yeah, I think uh, my initial reaction was definitely it's tough. It's a weird, it, you know, being in MLS, it's kind of a weird time of year for a coach to depart. Obviously, it's kind of midway through the season, but I definitely am excited, you know, for the opportunity to see Ronnie go back to Europe and kind of maybe get another shot. Hopefully, uh, with a big team, obviously starting with Standard Liege, and I'm excited to see what he could do there. Um, so I just think it's a great opportunity for him. And then looking ahead, I'm really excited to see what Nick Cushing can do. I know he's uh, worked with Manchester City's uh, women's team in the past, and he's done a great job there. Uh, and so I think he was an excellent selection to kind of step in as interim, uh, you know, for the time being. And I think he'll be a potential candidate for the position as well. So I, I really like that hiring. Yeah, and then I know most of the all the staff that were unless somebody's departing recently with Ronnie as well are either guys that have been through the City Football Group like Nick Cushing or people who've been with Dyla as well. You know, is it your understanding that you know not a whole lot's going to change in terms of the style of play or maybe the you know there's not going to be significant roster changes in terms of the lineup on Sunday compared to had Ronnie Dyla still been with the team. Yeah, I definitely think looking forward, it'll be pretty similar kind of to what we've seen so far. I know uh, other than uh, Nick Cushing himself, two other coaches also got extensions with the club today, they announced. Uh, and so, you know, other than not having Ronnie dial on the touchline from the day to day and obviously in the team practices, I think going forward, it'll look pretty similar. Definitely see a very similar style of play on the field. And I would say a pretty similar lineup to kind of what we've seen out of Ronnie the past 
you know, few weeks before the international period. Yeah, um, City was absolutely fantastic in those last couple weeks towards that. It's, it's kind of funny, Riley, you know, we, we talk about this on holding the high line, um, every single time, you know, is that, uh, you know, CCL kind of happened this year and every single team that was in CCL kind of had a rough start to league play. And then as soon as they were done with CCL, they kind of took a couple weeks and then got back to equilibrium. I think fittingly now NYCFC are top of the Eastern Conference. You know, is it your understanding that whatever hangover happened from losing to Seattle, that that's now over and pending Tati, maybe looking at his financial future, every, everybody's full steam ahead on trying to win the Shield or MLS Cup? Yeah, I mean, I think so. It, it, it definitely felt, you know, you mentioned the word hangover there coming out of CCL. It definitely felt like that. And they definitely kind of shaken off the rust from that and have really gone full steam ahead in MLS. And it definitely seems like that's where everyone wants to head. I think, obviously, you pointed out the big question mark there with uh, Tati and what his future kind of looks like. But they've already bought in some big pieces that I think could, could you know, potentially fill his role. And, I you know, I, I think they're going to look into some new pieces to try and bring someone in as well who could potentially fill that role. Hopefully, you know, if that move happens soon, they have maybe something lined up. I'm not 100% sure or anything. But, uh, you know, other than that, I think this team is looking great. Probably the best, maybe the best offense, I would say, in the Eastern Conference, if not in MLS at the moment. Um, and so I just think they're going to keep steamrolling forward, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, uh, Tati, seven goals and one assist in league play. He obviously did have some sex, six, some successful moments in CCL. Uh, Riley, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's... Uh, there's a growing group of Diego Rubio stands or people who are defending Diego Rubio because of his numbers relative to the Rapids not having a DP striker prior to signing Giassi's artist. And they would point to a number of analytics and numbers as well. And so we could easily say, aha, Diego Rubio has scored as many goals as Tati Castellanos. Those comparisons notwithstanding, because, you know, Tati hasn't played every single game and they were longer, they were in CCL longer than the Rapids were. What have you seen from him this year? Is he as good as he was last year when he won the Golden Boot? Um, yeah, I think he maybe started off a little slow and that's probably because his focus was maybe on CCL. It felt like maybe he wasn't scoring as many as he should in MLS, but the last couple of weeks he's really picked it up and felt like he's been making the right passes. He's always in the right position, at least, you know, getting a good opportunity on goal. Um, and so I would say if he were to stick around, he would definitely be heading, you know, in the right, in the right direction to be in that golden boot conversation. Um, but you know, maybe that doesn't look so likely at the moment, but you know, what we've seen from him is just, it, the last couple of weeks especially has been felt like a continuation from last year. It's been great to see. Good stuff. And then let's look at the midfield. I think obviously, you know, the Rapids fans haven't directly watched NYCFC if they haven't played the Rapids in a couple of years now. I believe the last game would have been pre-pandemic. I might have to look that up. But, you know, we know Maxi Morales in the midfield and he is getting on in age. I look at the Rapids midfield and I kind of think it's like Jack Price is kind of like the dad in the driver's seat and like the long family road trip together. And I'm wondering with Maxi Morales being kind of the older guy, is it his still midfield that he's running or is he more a complimentary piece to a uh, Santiago Rodriguez or maybe even a Tyus Magno who's grown within the club? I definitely think it's still Maxi's midfield. I know he's been in and out kind of with injuries this year. He's definitely missed a few games. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, you mentioned Jack Price specifically as kind of the dad on the road trip. I don't want to say Max is a little bit older than him, so maybe we'll say the grandpa <laughs> on the road trip. But uh, he definitely is kind of a boss in that midfield. He's still doing a good job. But you mentioned Santiago Rodriguez there specifically. I think he's been a great replacement when Ma- Maxi's been hurt. And, you know, if this is Maxi's last year, potentially, I, I think he'll be a great replacement if New York City can bring him in full time. Um, and other than that, I, I think... I mentioned before, you know, they've just made some great additions um, to kind of fill some roles going into the future, I feel like. Um, and so while it is Maxi's midfield, I'm really excited to see some of the pieces they've put around him. What's one thing that Rapids fans should look out for for what Santi does? You know, is there something that he does on the ball or a particular signature move that he has that could be problematic for um, whoever that uh, left-sided defender is for the Rapids? Mm-hmm. I don't know about a signature move, but he's always great at – he definitely is good at like the, you know, the give and go passes, I would say, and getting out to the wing for a cross, but he'll also cut into the middle and he's not afraid to put a shot from distance. And, and I think that's something I like about him is he's, he's got a little bit of confidence to kind of uh, take the ball and, and, you know, do it himself when he can. And I think he's only 23, maybe 24. So, you know, that's something you like to see out of a youngster. And I think he could definitely terrorize defenses with, you know, the kind of kind of moves like that. All right. Something to look out for for Lucas Estevez, maybe when we get to Sunday. Um, Let's talk about the rest of the midfield, 
Riley. I, there's been a lot of frustration about the Rapids midfield, and it's kind of a, a complicated question that we can kind of summarize with. There's been injuries to Jack Price. There's some tactical changes, and not having Kellen Acosta has hurt the team in that transition to where they just can't dominate and control the game from the midfield out. And so that's been an area where other teams have been able to take advantage of that. I think if there's one player who maybe with his various skill sets could make that happen would be Keaton Parks. I know there's been some shouts for him in terms of maybe moving on from the club and going on to Europe. He's, I'd say, in the background in terms of the noise that we get on USMNT Twitter about depth roster options that we have um, going into Qatar. What have you seen from him this season? How is he a different or improved player? I really enjoy watching Keaton Parks. I think similar to kind of how people viewed James Sands last year, he's quietly very good. He does a lot of the dirty work, I would say. But then he also is great going forward offensively. And he always makes maybe like those Weston McKinney style runs where he's kind of coming into the box late and firing a shot from distance. And I feel like I've been pointing it out to people the last couple of games. He's had some great shots from distance on goal. You know, they don't, they're not necessarily going in, but he's forcing a save out of the keeper. And so I really like what he's done. He, he holds down the midfield well. I feel like you know, he, he's maybe a little slow and gets beat sometimes, but from what I've seen lately, he does a great, a great job moving laterally and, you know, he gets up and down the field as well. And I think that's something, he's something quietly that I feel like every team needs to kind of game plan for this year. Cause if, when he gets the ball in, in and around the area, he can make a good pass. He can fire a good shot from distance. Uh, and so I think he's been, he's been quietly really good for New York City FC this year. And I, I, I hope he gets a chance with the national team soon. I know. You mentioned he's kind of been in some of the background noise there. I, I, I really want to push for him if I can to get a chance for the national team somehow. Yeah. Um, one of the, fr- one of the other things that has been kind of the Rapids Achilles heel with not having a match winner in the final third has been when they're playing well, they're able to, you know, they're. 10 field players are able to outplay the opponent's 10 field players, but then the opposing goalie is just on his game. We've seen this recently against Team Melia. We've seen it against Stefan Fry, albeit not in the one league game here at DSG a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago now. Um, Sean Johnson just, you know, had a really great moment with the national team. I think it's pretty clear who the number one and number two, which one's one and which one's two for Greg Berhalter um, is up for discussion. But I think Sean John's certainly in there for the third, and we know what he's capable of doing in MLS. Go back and look at what he did in pens against uh, Portland and MLS Cup as well. What have you seen so far from him this season? How important has he been to this city defense? I'll say even going back the last year and a half. I think he's been really key, um, especially in some of the games where maybe our offense struggles a little more. I know Tati recently had a red card suspension or sorry, yellow card accumulation. He was out and Sean Johnson played a huge role in that game, just keeping the ball out of the net. Um, and uh, you mentioned the national team uh, appearance recently there. I was super excited to see him get on the pitch for them. Obviously, he doesn't get to play a lot, but, you, you know, he is definitely that locked in number three, it feels like. And so he's just been killing it for New York City as well. I'm not necessarily sure what his deal will be for Sunday. I'm assuming he would be back with the team to face the Rapids. But he definitely, I think, is is in the conversation for probably the best goalkeeper in MLS. And, you know, obviously was played a massive role in, in getting us to the MLS Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Riley, I, I find, you know, there's, it's all, we talk about this with altitude where the Western conference teams, even expansion teams kind of get adjusted to it because they have to play at RSL and at Colorado every single year. And then if it's an Eastern conference team, depending on how it works, maybe it's one game in a year and maybe it's been a while and they're not necessarily adjusted to that. The Rapids have played just twice at Yankee Stadium. Um, right now I'm seeing this is at Yankees. So hopefully, uh, hopefully the bus driver for the Rapids doesn't actually take them out to Queens or anything or <laughs> drive them up to Connecticut, I suppose opposed to go play at UConn Stadium. Um, what's something that you look for for a team that's not well adjusted to either the field, the issue with maybe the uh, infield sod and everything? I know the, the pitching mound is out of play. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. What's something that maybe Rapids fans could look for to see whether or not uh, the team is adjusted to that or struggling with that in the opening 15 to 20 minutes? Yes, yeah, so the pitching mound is definitely out of play. I can confirm that for you. Um, so really the big thing, I think kind of what New York City FC fans talk about, and, you know, I think it kind of gets around the league, definitely around the Eastern Conference at the very least, is how narrow of a pitch it is and how much that kind of plays to New York City's adva- advantage. It makes it tough, uh, you know, obviously to break down the defense when you're able to keep such a packed and narrow line. But then also when you have such quick attackers and wingers, New York City FC does a good job of playing the ball over the top and working it out wide for crosses. And, you know, guys like Tati are obviously very effective in and around the box. And 
So it creates a lot of problems for teams, especially who come in and, and aren't too familiar with it, how narrow of a pitch it is. It, it, it maybe doesn't look as narrow or as, as it feels, but definitely it's a, what you hear from the players a lot of times is when you get down there, it's definitely a, like it feels a, a lot different than maybe a normal sized pitch does. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I kind of, uh, I, I, I've equated it to in the past of almost like a pinball machine, but you could almost say mm-hmm. it's a, it's a basketball game where like everybody's in to the, into a fast break, uh, motion so i guess maybe that's to a certain extent maybe that will be an opportunities for a jonathan lewis former nycfc player or michael mm-hmm. barrios but certainly uh uh you know it'll it'll be the rapids are going to have to fight fire with fire and tati castellanos is a really good fire to have um i guess on that note uh riley what are you expecting in terms of how city is going to approach this obviously it's been a couple weeks off they've had some players away from international duty but you know getting back to at home do you think that they're gonna do you think that the goal is just going to be to almost pick up the international break was almost at an inopportune time because they had won maybe what five, six in a row. I'd have to go back and check. How, how do you think that they're approaching this game given the coming off the international break? So I think it's a little interesting. Um, you, we don't really know what's going to happen the rest of the week, uh, kind of referring to Tati Cassiano specifically there. Um, but I think, it, you know, if all the pieces are there at the end of the week and everything kind of looks how the same as it does right now, I think you definitely going to expect to see a, a fast-paced uh, like New York City FC offense obviously kind of led by Tati but I, some of the young guys on the wing I've really been enjoying watching Talos Magno he's been a big issue to deal with and I think he's been vastly improved this year compared to last year uh, and then I think defensively you're going to see guys like uh, Alfredo Morales excuse me drop back into the midfield and uh, he's going to help out defensively but then it's tough to break down guys like Alexander Callens I think he's maybe one of the most underrated defenders uh, in MLS maybe po- possibly sorry uh, and then probably going to see uh, I would say one of our latest signings Tiago Martins uh, joined the defensive line as well he's maybe struggled a little since joining MLS but he's starting to get his feet under him and I think he's been improved as well and um Again, it's just when we get into when you get into Yankee Stadium, it's really tough to break down that defensive line, but it does create some really exciting, you know, offensive play on both sides. I think it's it's fast paced, it's fun, and I think you know we'll just see that throughout the game. I think you got two pretty solid offenses in New York City FC and Colorado, and so I think you know I expect to see a, a fast paced offensive game. Last question for me. We always ask our guests for a prediction on the scoreline. Uh, not being held accountable at this, Riley, uh, here at HTHO. We're, we're not anti sports gambling, but like we're not really big into it. So certainly don't go and, and mortgage the house or any mortgage the farm, anything on what Riley says. But, uh, Riley, do you have a scoreline prediction? And I'll give you the liberties of doing a Tati and Tati less prediction if you want. <laughs> I'll say, um, if Tati's in, let, I'll say, Three to two in favor of New York City FC if Tati's in. I think we'll get a high, a fast paced offensive game, like I've been saying. Um, but I think if Tati's out, maybe uh, I'll say I'll go a one one draw. Every, right. you know, coming back from the international break, everyone's kind of getting their feet back under them, getting back into the first game. So I think one one if, if, uh, if no Tati. Excellent stuff. Uh, listeners, if you like what you heard from Riley, you can follow him at Riley Frain, F-R-A-I-N on the last name. And obviously check out all of his work where you can find my work. Uh, last word on sports.com backslash soccer. Riley, anything else that you want to say or shall we get out of here? No, just thank you so much for having me on, Matt. It was a pleasure. Welcome back, listeners, to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. Thanks to you again to Riley Frain of Last Word on Sports Sports for sitting down with me earlier today to talk all things NYCFC. Mark, NYCFC are a very, very good team. They're defending MLS Cup champions. They have recently lost their head coach. News official earlier today that Ronnie Dyla, who was their head coach for MLS Cup last year, is leaving for Standard Liège in the Bel- in the Belgian First Division. Um, it will be assistant head coach Nick Cushing who will be taking over for him. Understanding is, at least from the immediacy, they're going to be playing a very similar formation. There's lots of rumors circling around Tati Castellanos and his future and whether or not NYCFC could be giving him a big pay bump and make him one of the highest paid players in the league as a DP to convince him to stay, or whether or not a player comes in, uh, a team comes in and gives them an offer that they're satisfied satisfied with. Rumblings on the Twitter machine, Mark, have been that uh, $15 million U.S. million is the starting point. There's been 
suggestions of there's been Premier League teams that are supposedly interested in him. And if you believe the constant news cycle churning out of South America, there's a Brazilian and Argentine club that at least once a week is making contact with him. In any case, assuming that does not happen within the next week and he's flying on a private jet off the continent for a physical Tati Castellanos will be the starting striker up top for New York City FC. They have Maxi Morales, who's been one of the best, albeit old man, gray beard number 10s in Major League Soccer. Santi Rodriguez has been an excellent addition to that in the midfield. Talos Magno has kind of been their mercurial, young, uh, big attacker. I, I don't want to quite label him the Ezekiel Barco of NYCFC, Mark, but they spent a lot of money for him. He's yet to come off. The organization's still really high on him and thinks that he can be amazing in MLS and they can sell him for a bunch of money. Keaton Parks is their um, big, you know, American player that they have in the middle of the park. Riley and I talked about that. And then defense, there's been a little bit of rotation in terms of the fullback position. They just signed a new center back who'll play alongside Alexander Callens, who for me, Mark, is one of the best center backs in the league. And then, of course, have Sean Johnson, regular contender for goalkeeper of the year, made several big snaves in penalties last year to win MLS Cup. And recently is maybe in that conversation as the third choice goalkeeper for the World Cup. Uh, Mark, this team is stacked. This team is very good. This is going to be a very difficult game on Sunday in the Bronx. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the most important thing to mention is that they have six wins in a row. um, And in those six wins, in their last five wins, they have not conceded a goal. They beat Columbus 2-0, beat DC United away to DC 2-0, beat Chicago 1-0, beat New England 1-0, beat Minnesota away 1-0. Um, that is like really machine precision devastation. Um, and, uh, that is, that, that, that's the kind of thing that, that makes, that should make you really nervous. Now, the last time they, they really looked, uh, they, they really got into it, uh, it, into it with any team. Interestingly enough, they barely squeaked by Toronto five to four, um, a few weeks back in April and their last loss was in CCL. Uh, to Seattle Sounders, who, of course, went on to win all of CCL. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and, and that was coming off of a, uh, a multiple game losing streak that they had. They lost to Comunicaciones 4-2, to but didn't matter because they hung on to win um, their CCL uh, uh, home and away setup. Then they they lost to Philly, they lost to Toronto, and they lost to Seattle. So, um, kind of interesting that, that they that they've been just unbe- unbeatable for the last while. You did a fantastic rundown of all the players. I don't have any addition to th- to say on any of the players. I do really like Talos Magno. Um, I think he's really talented and fast. Um, he he brings great acceleration and really great dribbling and ball handling. Um, and in addition, he can really make that nice slick pass. Um, I think that's one of the things that's missing from Rapids wingers is really forward looking, uh, really well thought out passing. Um, and, and Keaton Parks has been just smashing the ball. He has that kind of late arriving top of the box, hit it hard ability um, from a center midfielder. That's that's really great. But he also combines with that a great box to box sensibility, fantastic positioning, um, head on a swivel, check your shoulder ability. Uh, and, and finally, you know, if you just deployed him straight up as kind of like a, a, a defensive midfielder who's killing the game and, and defending, he could do that too. So versatility, I think, is one of the great things about Keaton Parks. There's a reason that Matt Doyle had him uh, down a year or two ago as a dark horse for the USMNT. Hasn't really happened, mostly because that position for the U.S. men's national team is just really, really stacked. There's just a lot of guys at that spot. Um but this team, like you said, I mean, I think if if Tati Castellanos was sold between now and game time, Matt, um, there are still a number of guys who could fill in at that spot and will be just fine. So um, I would really like to say, considering my prognostication the other day uh, about Nashville, you know, the Rapids have won all their home games. And I said, this streak is bound to break and I think it's going to break against Nashville. Um, I would love to say the exact opposite against New York, which is we've lost all our games on the road, except for the ones we've tied. Um, you know, that streak is bound to break, too. I don't see any way in the universe why this is the game where that breaks. The last thing we have to say, which I did not mention and you did not mention, um, in our Vulcan mind meld, we usually have the same brilliant ideas. Um, so I get to fill in the thing that I know you would have said, uh, except... 
Um, you can't say all of it because, you know, we have to go to sleep and stuff like that um, and let our listeners not listen to a seven hour podcast extravaganza where we spill every content of our brains about every single thing. But um, I know I think one of the other pieces of the secret sauce for New York City is their home field advantage, which is Yankee Stadium, right? Nobody really understands how to play in that wacky, tiny field that has a baseball infield. And so that is a, a major effect. Now, that that being said, they've played a couple away games, this, sorry, home games that were away games this year um, at Red Bull Arena, which is always kind of goofy. But this game is set to be at Yankee Stadium. So um, that should be really fun. Last little vignette, Matt, I was very much considering going to this match. Um, and then I looked at my work schedule and it makes more sense for me to go to a bunch of other games. I may be going out to a match in Philly in a couple weeks. So that'll have to be there. And... Rapids fans, you should look for your favorite Colorado Rapids podcaster who does not live in Colorado, but rather Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I will be at the July 4th game, so I am excited. I can call that now because I actually bought the ticket. So, you know, unless the plane winds up being diverted to Saskatoon or um, Guadalajara, I will be there um, and we'll try and get pints before or after or during or whatever. Um, if Yins are around, it'd be great to see you all uh, for some for some hang time. And otherwise, Matt, you know, uh, grab a barbecue and and bring me some veggie burgers and and we'll we'll uh, we'll hang out in the in the parking lot pregame. Yeah, we'll definitely. I'll I'll say in terms of national holiday c38 tailgate mark which i again reaffirm the t8 in general is undefeated but i think the only thing that top fourth of july tailgate would be playoff thanksgiving day turkey mm. day tailgate so we'll definitely have to hit that up and listeners if you're interested maybe we want to do a meetup before or after i'm not sure mark you're there for the whole weekend so and i know fourth of july is on a monday yes fourth of july is Monday. That's yeah, right. Fourth of July is Monday. So um, depending on when you fly in, Mark, I know you said that you've booked the tickets. Maybe we could do something Sunday or Saturday or, you know, at the very least we'll have that. Yeah, I arrive in Colorado at like 1030 in the morning on Sunday and I'm I'm around all day Tuesday. So um, I got options. Alrighty then. Um, a few other things that I kind of want to add, Mark. Uh, this is an opportunity. We had an Ask HTHL about stadiums that the Rapids could get their first ever win at this year and one of those will be yankee stadium the rapids have played nycfc four times they have not played them since the start of the pandemic in 2016 mark the inaugural match between these two teams was a 5-1 victory at yankee stadium mark who got sent off for a second yellow card in the 37th minute of that game oh i don't know who was it it was michael azira unfortunately oh no uh, and then uh, their first game at DSG was 1-1 draw in 2017. 2018 uh, was a 4-0 victory for NYCFC in the season that shall not be mentioned. And then 2019, the last time these two teams played back at DSG, was a 2-1 victory for NYCFC. So NYCFC, three wins and one draw against the Colorado Rapids, hoping that it can be better there. But, you know, Mark, your point and Riley's point earlier about the home field advantage and the fact that the Colorado Rapids have only played two games ever at Yankee Stadium, and the last one would have been in 2018. You know, I'm struggling. Robin Frazier would have still been at Toronto FC, so maybe he has an understanding of that from a coaching standpoint. But, you know, if you're thinking about players who would have been there, you know, like how many minutes has Jack Price played at Yankee Stadium? It would have been just that one game. Danny Wilson, it would have been just that one game, if any. There's a lot of guys who this is going to be their first experience, and the, and obviously for this team as a group, it's going to be their first experience as well. Mark, we talk a lot about, about the Rapids having a home field advantage advantage in terms of altitude and that being a bigger deal when they play Eastern Conference teams that don't have to deal with it every single year unlike you know when Seattle Sounders have to play you know Seattle Sounders have to play two games at altitude every single year because they have a road game at RSL and they have a road game at Colorado Rapids and this is an opportunity for an advantage and while I think overall my biggest concern mark is the midfield as we've seen that just be a 
issue for the Rapids and it has been multivariable and they've been unable to deal with, this game is going to, you know, almost turn into like a pinball machine where it's just, it's straight, like it's direct running from a wide position. I would have to think if Lucas Estevez is back in 90 minutes healthy, that that's going to be an opportunity for the Rapids to maybe get some on the left. And I have to think this is a kind of a game if NYC, unless NYCFC is playing a super deep line, that if Michael Barrios starts, you know, there's an opportunity for him to get forward given what we saw from him against Nashville and given what he was able to do against Real Monarch. So I think, unfortunately, it's going to be a game of fighting fire with fire. And as much, Mark, as we like Mikey, as much as we like Lucas Estevez, I would say Tati Castellanos, Talos Magno, the outside backs for NYCFC have more familiarity with this and are generally a little bit of a better team. Uh, We'll see what the team can do in terms of the back three and kind of their defensive structure, given how NYCFC is going to be shooting gaps. Can Keegan Rosenberry and Lalo Sububakar not be a weak link in that proverbial Caranacho as it has been at times last year and obviously uh, you know assuming Tati Gassianos isn't sold you know in 48 hours at time of recording they're gonna have to deal with a very difficult player Uh, Mark I I do think there will be moments where the Rapids will be able to show improvement from that Nashville game work on things that they've worked on during the international break I do think Jossie's artist is going to get back to being close to 90 minutes fit with this team as well but I, I have a really hard time just given the timing of the game given where the game is being played and given how good the opponent is and how particularly how good that opponent is at home. I have a hard time seeing the Rapids win this one. Uh, Mark, I'd bite both your arms off right now for 1-1. Rabbi, are you sticking with a a Rapids loss on Sunday? Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, You know, the... the, if if we haven't said it, I, I don't think you said it, Matt, but Ronnie Delia leaving, we did say that, but... Filling in for him uh, as the interim manager of the club is assistant coach Nick Cushing. Cushing? Cushing. Let's say Cushing. Um, And Cushing uh, is a 37-year-old who coached the Manchester City women from 2013 to 2020 before he became uh, NYCFC's assistant. So he doesn't have any experience in MLS. Um, I wouldn't say that that's a, a massive um, detriment to him. Uh, you know, I think when in, in my worst prognostication to begin the season, I said, Steve Chirondolo doesn't look like he has any experience in major league soccer and, and clearly, uh, has really struggled with, uh, uh, Las Vegas lights. There's, there's no way he's going to adjust properly. Um, and boy, was I wrong. Like I had no idea what I was talking about because LAFC has made a really lovely rebound this year, but, for your first game, you know, you can still get it wrong against a really smart team like Robin Frazier and the Colorado Rapids. Um, you know, I, I would assume Cushing will turn to the team and say, do what you guys have been doing. Um, I've been paying attention. We'll be fine. And it's entirely possible that they'll throw something at them that they weren't, weren't, aren't ready for. And there's an opportunity to win this game by outcoaching the opponent. How that happens, we will have to see because up till now, New York City FC have looked like a Manchester City light kind of team. Um, long passes that are really well connected, um, really, really phenomenal, accurate ball movement that redirects quickly and advances the ball by, you know, kind of two steps forward, one back, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, you know, moving across the, and breaking lines and, and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, the one thing they don't do a lot of, and, you know, this podcast isn't actually around anymore, but... Um, uh, Joe Lowry and and uh, our friend um... Jordan Angeli on MLS Assist. Yeah, yeah, on uh, formerly of MLS Assist, which no longer is around. We we outlived that podcast too, Matt. Scratch one more. Um, no, but we don't we don't relish in that because that was a really good podcast. But um, they talked about the Manchester City zone getting into the corners. That's the thing that I actually don't see. Um, NYCFC do a whole lot of that might be just be I think I know what you're about to say because I'm going to say it too there isn't any Manchester City zone in a field as narrow as uh as Yankee Stadium if they were to try and play in the Manchester City zone they'd wind up in the in the stands buying popcorn and nachos because that's that's where the Manchester City zone is in a field that narrow 
Yeah, man, the Manchester City zone, Mark, you either have to be deep left center field or you're basically <laughs> in the foul zone, in the foul play as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure both of those are out of bounds there, Mark. So, yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, Mark and I both have a loss on the road again for the Colorado Rapids. So, I don't know, Mark, maybe in this point, maybe we're reverse jinxing. And then in doing so, uh, the Rapids are going to get a win. And therefore... I love to be wrong when it helps the team. Yes, we, we love to be wrong when we get to come back at it and then talk about mucho joy that is burgundy boys related uh rabbi unless there's anything else let's get out of here all right uh matt our sponsors are roughneck scarves and acres sc makers of fine custom uh as you pick it type apparel uh that you could use for actual sporting events or for some celebration uh i think it's a great idea at some point to break out the bank especially if you've uh made a lot of money in the stock market and if you made a lot of money in the stock market this week it was by shorting the stock market since we're officially today in a bear market um my retirement fund basically says i have to work now till i'm 97 years old but if you're feeling good because you had a good nft or a crypto break this week maybe celebrate with the whole squad by buying them roughneck scarves for everyone matt tell them how to hit us on the socials how to read our written work or how to reach out to us over the intertubes Listeners, follow us individually on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi and at LWS Matt Pollard. Check out all of our content, both rabbis, mine, and Riley Frains, collectively at Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Last word on sports.com backslash soccer and our substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. You can view us in web format there. You can subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss any of our free content. And that's also the best way to support us financially. Go there and then become a paid highliner. You get all the stuff that we're putting behind the paywall five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year uh you get can get at us on twitter at rapids 96 podcast for any of your photos of scran any memes that you have that are pigeon related because obviously those are going to be fun this year or send us your favorite jewish deli uh order that you have and then make our mouths water and then be you know, looking for food that is not scran that we get at dick's morning it's park also send us your questions using the hashtag ask hdhl and then you can support us further financially on the podcast at patreon.com backslash rapid 96 podcast. If you just want to drop us a one-time cash donation or head on over to denverpost.com backslash HTHL for a really good deal on their digital sports content, as I'm sure the post is ramping up for the Stanley Cup finals this coming Wednesday when our Colorado Avalanche will be hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Peace.